This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the station, its staff, management, or news department. Joining me today, and I will introduce this gentleman as one of the founders of the Southern Tier Land Conservancy, but you might also know him as a Broome County legislator, Jason Shaw, or you might know him as the guru at our country hearts. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for having me on. You know, how many hats do you have on that head? <laughs> you know, once one idea gets rolling, more keep coming to you, and some of them are just too good to pass up. Well, this land conservancy thing isn't a total surprise since you have gone on uh, publicly with helping to set up some of the like community garden type things similar to what vines or with vines um, outside of the city of Binghamton. So you're obviously interested in in this whole kind of thing. But why don't you tell me, first of all, since this is fairly new inception, so all of us for the past couple of years have been kind of preoccupied with a you know, little bump that's been going around, uh, what this Southern Tier Land Conservancy thing is all about and how you got started with it. Well, as you know, and as you said, I'm a Broome County legislator, and I've been on the, I've been on the ledge for about eight years. During that time, it's become clear to me that we have a lot of really great land around here and, and, and not a unified plan between government and agencies to conserve the best parts of it. Um, and really, when you look around New York State, there are tons of conserved lands. But if you check out a map, you'll find that Broome County, other than our great parks, um, really has not a lot of conserved land. And yet we're, we're blessed with a really great area full of water and, and lush greenery, nice, you know, a couple of different um, rivers and lots of creeks. This is not something that every part, every part of the country has. And uh, we are blessed with it. We don't always realize how great it is. I think that Moving into this 21st century, as we have here, we need to be a little more aware of the great things we have and make sure we keep them that way. Well, let's talk about then what this thing is. I mean, people hear these fancy words and uh, may not quite understand or what the the nuances of a conservancy are. I mean, is this you know tree love and hippies chaining themselves to trees and you know <laughs> keeping people from developing stuff? And what is? I hope not. No, I really want, I see it as more bringing land to people rather than taking it away. I think that that thought kind of goes back to sort of an argument that we need to get past in our society. If you think of us, if you think of the Nature Conservancy, which is a really large national conservancy, I mean, they're like the major leagues of conservancies. Then you come down to state levels where you get like Finger Lakes, which has almost 25,000 acres under conservation. And you think about the area around the Finger Lakes, there's some gorgeous land. And uh, they're definitely like the next level down. And then we are much smaller. Uh, we would be more paired with like Shenango Land Trust, E.L. Rose Land Conservancy. Um, even watermen in the zoo have small plots that they conserve. Um, between them, they've got uh, the zoo has land that is in conservancy. And uh, watermen has the IBM Glen as well as some land out in Windsor. <clears throat> and we're more on that scale. The idea is to find land that fit certain criteria, usually wetlands, uh, riparian, which means along the river, and some other criteria, and figure out ways of keeping it that way and giving it to the public to use. 
Well, a lot of times in the past when we were talking wetlands and such, either it was going to be a, a drastic steps to make it developable. That's a hard word yeah. to say. Or, yeah. or people were just saying, eh, and just, oh, yeah, we'll put it into conservancy because we can't do anything else with it. It's a swamp. <laughs> uh, but Well, you're right. You know, you're right. I is mean, that all we're the, talking about here is stuff that isn't going to be feasible to develop? Well, so, you know, we have had a lot of floods around here. Yeah, and they no have kidding. been quite devastating. Every acre that we put aside along a river or in a wetland helps absorb a tremendous amount of water. That is probably the primary thing we need to do. There are also some really neat places, you know, places that have um, gorgeous views, um, places that have unusual wildlife. Uh, places that connect parks. I mean, I'll give you one of them that's my own favorite, which is I love going to Jones Park and Vessel. I also love going to Aquaterra. Um, there's actually almost one big piece of land between the two of them that could turn into one big park, and that would be enormous. Uh, you know, things like that that connect wilderness areas are also really interesting to us. You know, we're protecting ourselves by keeping some wild land wild. We're protecting the animals. Uh, as well as the trees. But when it comes down to it, it makes for a good, uh, it, it makes for great living, you know, great quality of life. And uh, like I said, we don't want to take it away from anybody. What we want to do is really give it back to them, make sure we keep our area, um, you know, resilient to floods and a great quality of life. That's my primary goal with it. You know, you have to drill down, decide what areas exactly fit the criteria. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where it gets a little more technical. Well, it's funny, some of the areas that you mentioned that when we were talking about Ross Park, which you kind of say, yeah, okay, I can see that. But uh, people, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they didn't realize about the nature preserve that's at the Binghamton University campus. Yeah. And I True believe there's also, there's also hiking available around uh, SUNY Broom that people yeah, don't realize is. that it's there. That's kind of, you know, there's, there's no plans to develop it. Well, let me tell you another aspect of this is, you know, I've talk- one of the ways I came up with this idea, along with some of my friends, was talking to Cornell Cooperative Extension, and they are in the business of helping farmers. Well, we have so many farmers near retirement and very, very few new young ones coming online. This will mean a massive change in the way land is uh, divided. Uh, we could take some really large plots and see them turned into a bunch of little ones, which generally turn out to be a lot less resilient to flooding. So BCE definitely has urged us to look at how we can help farmers conserve their large plots of land and make them part of the resiliency along rivers and and such. Well, it's still something that I can hear people kind of hemming and hawing about, about being counterproductive to economic development in the area if large, large parcels of land are kept wild. Is a conservancy all wild lands or can a uh, property be conserved and managed wisely and still fall under the criteria of this program? Yeah, I mean, it's a really broad range. And it does. So generally, a land conservancy starts by buying land and keeping it just and, and maybe putting trails through it, letting people in, things like that. But that's direct ownership. Generally, a land conservancy that directly owns land will keep it pretty wild or whatever state makes sense for that piece of land. Now, there are other things called conservation easements, and you're going to see this a lot in the next couple of years in New York State. Conservation easements are a different animal. They, the landowner continues to own the land, but they give up certain rights to the land, and they then get tax benefits from New York State about it. 
And this makes a lot of sense in an area where you have a lot of flooding because you do want to keep people who own like riverfront property from doing anything that takes away the trees because it saves all of us a tremendous amount of money for a little bit of tax. Um, and then the state makes the county and local governments whole. That's the thing. It's not going to take away from local taxpayers. I understand we all pay taxes, but right. at least it's not coming out of the local hall. It's coming down from, from Albany. Albany has a really big push on this. They want to conserve 30% of New York State by 30, 2030. And we're currently at less than 20%. I think it's about 19%. Uh, and they want to do it mostly through easements. And easements are an interesting thing because you could do an easement with a farmer and he could continue to farm his land. You could do um, an easement with someone who farms lumber. But as long as they have a good management plan for the lumber, it's A-OK. Uh, they even see it in hunting areas. Like a lot of people own land for hunting from downstate up here. Right. They could easily keep right. it wild. Uh, for us, which is great for us, we need some. We need these wildlands. Ultimately, we're only looking at rural areas. Okay. At the Southern Tier Land Conservancy, I don't. I don't. And unless it's like right along a river, I don't see us getting involved in anything near any urban core because that is something that that's where development should be. Development should be in the urban core. Conservancy should probably be on the outskirts, and we want to keep it that way. Keep the land around us beautiful. It cools us down. It saves us energy. And uh, it'll bring people here, frankly, because it's so beautiful. Well, now you're talking about rural areas. This brings up a, a whole nother um, pot of beans with the whole push toward, and this is something that's very supported by New York State, uh, the alternative energy sources. Would a parcel yeah. of land that's in conservancy be a candidate for something like a, a solar farm or something that like that? That is a great question, Kathy. That is really the million-dollar question at the moment. Good, give me a million sense. dollars then. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I mean, you got to think it creates a lot of runoff when water hits those panels, and it's got to be well taken care of. You know, a lot of what Conservancy has done is to absorb water, and um, we, I think we have to be careful the way we do it. I think we're all in favor of solar. It's an excellent source of power, um, but we got to make sure it's done well, and... Um, Conservancy can play a part in it, and easement can allow a solar farm still to be on it. But I think you have to just make sure you do a real good site survey, understand what's going on with the land, where the power, you know, it has to go onto the grid, too. So usually it's hard to just put a solar farm, a small one, in the middle of nowhere. Right. You have to build a lot of infrastructure. So, you know, that's something that has to play into it. If somebody's planning to do a really big one, it might be outside of our boundaries anyway. Um, but, you know, right now we're trying to... Start small. Uh, like the Binghamton University Nature Preserve is a lovely example of what we would love to see happen in more places. Um, like I said, the areas between parks to connect those along rivers and around ponds. We even talked to the Boy Scouts at one point because, you know, they've got a lot of land and they have some uh, some legal problems, as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. But they'd love to keep their camps in conservancy. They'd hate to see them just broken up and turned into, you know, houses in the middle of nowhere, and they don't have a Boy Scout camp anymore. I Dude, mean, that his, would be really with unfortunate. The, with the Boy Scout camps, they're kind of a historic site. Does yeah. a historic preservation site fall under uh, conservancy yeah. Uh, guidelines? Yeah, anything can. You know, that's the thing. Anything really, it's very flexible. It is just a contract saying that we give up certain development rights. Like, we will not build uh, an apartment building here. We will not build a house outside of, like, so say you had 10 acres, 
that we were going to put into conservancy. You probably keep one acre for your own development, and the other nine acres become conservancy. That's a really simple example. It has to fit a lot of criteria. New York State won't just let you put your backyard into conservancy and save on taxes. Like, it really has to hit some criteria for them to allow it. And usually nine acres is a little small, but but we could get started with it. Can you imagine that if you have a property and you put part of it into conservancy, what nice, you know, if you go to sell your house down the road, with with putting that in the listing is the fact that there's not going to be any development cropping up in in the backyard. Yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty nice. You know, you think about, you take an area, we were looking at a place in Vestal, and there was a creek that ran through it. And the people were talking about conserving the whole thing. And we said, you know, you got so much frontage here. People are going to want to build houses up here. The real thing to conserve is the creek. You know, you give a couple hundred feet of frontage here, and you conserve everything behind it. And you end up with a really valuable piece of land that's still doing its natural good, which is to absorb water and channel it the right direction. And I also noticed in the in the news release and some of the stuff that you had uh, when you talked to people about this, there's also the management of such things as uh, worrying about invasive species like yeah. the purple loosestrife that can be a problem yep. and some of those other things. Um, it, it kind of, and I hate to use the term, kills two birds with one stone because that doesn't write really quite. <laughs> a vegetarian would never I know, say that. my goodness you? gracious. But um as you're, you're developing this, how are the plans going? Is there some sort of mechanism and some sort of goal and timeline that you have for this that you've guys been working on this for, for two years now? Yeah. And, uh, well, still a couple things on that. Number one, invasive species are a bigger, uh, a bigger problem than most people realize. I'd say the biggest one after the ash boring beetle, I mean, it's run its course. There's hardly any ash trees left. And right. We're all paying for that. Right. I mean, I had to take down six on my land, and I have a, like a quarter acre. So this is big. The bigger one that I think is even a worse problem is this woolly adelgid. It is um, it attacks the uh, hemlock trees, which locate where it's wet. And around here, that's a real problem. We could end up with major erosion. There, are, you take the IBM Glen; it's filled with hundreds and hundreds of uh, hemlock trees that are doing an amazing job keeping that place from running all down the hill. And if they die, that's it's a serious problem. It will really ch- cause a lot of erosion in many places. Broome County has thousands in our parks of hemlock trees. And we are definitely looking at it and trying to figure out how to manage the situation. Basically, um, starting a nonprofit takes time. And um, it, we started to work through it through COVID. Um, the paperwork took us a little bit of time to figure out. We did it ourselves because, hey, it was COVID. We had some time on our hands. We figured it out. And then we got talking to people who will provide grants. And they all came up with the same conclusion that we need a really solid strategic plan. So right now we're building the strategic plan. We hope to have that done by the end of the year, which will really outline what areas make sense to conserve for our conservancy and which ones do we say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Because mm. you don't want to be conserving a plot of land in perpetuity. That's forever. Right. That doesn't make sense with your goal. That's a long time. Yeah. You've got to keep that in mind. It's got to be worth it. Where everybody. Do, where do people go to find out some more information as we're running out of time here? Southern Tier. Southern TLC, Southern, so southerntlc.org. Okay. Well, thank you very much. This has been very enlightening, and uh, we'll be talking to you later down the road as things progress and find out how things are going. Thank you very much, Kathy. Have a great day. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. 70% of the